right. Perfect. Hey, everybody. We're back here on the podcast, and we've changed the name recently. We changed the name. Uh, I made the decision to change the name from Kill Your Ego to Be the Bison because it just fits a little better. We're still going to have that mission statement of of killing your ego, um, and we have guests on here. I want to have guests on here that aren't aren't loud and and don't have egos and you know people that are are thinking in that mentality of kill your ego but be the bison we own it you know we have it trademarked it's our website it's it's our company but it's our other bison companies and it just kind of fits for who we are and what we believe in you know i think i think the bison is is an incredible animal it's my favorite animal in the entire world i think it's the most american animal you can possibly you know come up with uh based on its history with that being said, this first podcast back with Be The Bison podcast, um, literally for me personally, there's a handful of people that I could have on this podcast that are super, super special. This is one of them. Uh, with us here today is Monty Buckmaster, and that is his real last name, Buckmaster. <laughs> Everybody always laughs about it. But you know, some of you already know as soon as I say his name and you see him, you're, you know who Monty is. But Monty... Um, Monty has been the owner, manager, proprietor of the Mint Bar here in Sheridan, Wyoming for we're 29 years now? 30. 30, going on 31. Going on 30, 31 years of owning the Mint Bar. If you don't know what the Mint Bar is, uh, you probably haven't made it past west, past the Rocky Mountains. Uh, in my opinion, it's the most quintessential. There's a lot of bars west of the Rocky Mountains that are that are iconic to, to the history of America and specifically the 1900s into to this century. But anybody that's been anywhere near Sheridan or been around here, been in Wyoming, Montana, the Dakotas, the Mint Bar is synonymous as, as, a, as a historical landmark. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a historical landmark per se yet, but it will be someday um, if it's not. But the Mint Bar is, uh, was founded in 1907 and... Uh, Monty's owned it for 30, 31 years now, and there's been what 18 owners? No. Sorry, I'm gonna I get some it. of this wrong. I'm not a, I'm not a math. You know me. I break big rocks into small rocks. I, I, I think I told you 18 at one time. Um, I had to do a little refresher on my history on the place, and I dug out that piece of paper where we had uh, all the previous owners down, and I think there's 13. 13 owners. Yeah, previous. So even less owners. Yeah. And then you have owned it for longer than anybody else. Yeah. You, you're at, yeah. It being at 30, coming on 31 years. Um, so, Monty, I'm going to dive in real quick before I stop running my mouth. Um, when I first got to Sheridan and came here, you know, the Mint Bar is, is, is 100 feet from, from the coffee shop and where we do our hats and our t-shirts right smack on the middle of Maine. It's Maine and Grinnell, but it's actually kind of Maine and Maine in my opinion. It's right smack in downtown. And, you know, I went into the Mint Bar. I was fascinated by it. I'm not a cowboy. I have to say that a thousand times a month because people, you know, some people try and paint me as a cowboy because I've showed pictures on Instagram riding a horse and I have some bison. I'm not a cowboy. I'm not a rancher. Uh, but, you know, the mint bar to me, when you step into it, it's like stepping back into time and the history, artwork, the animals in there, the bar, the ambiance of the bar and the photos on the wall tell a hundred and eight hundred and well, what, 115 year journey of, I think the most magnificent bar in America. Um, and I went into that bar 
when I first started coming here, I'm not a huge drinker. Everybody knows that. You know, I haven't had a drink in almost two and a half years. I don't, I, I've never really been a drinker my entire life. I've probably been drunk five times in my life, and that was with Special Forces guys. Uh, but, you know, I don't have anything against drinking. I just don't do well on alcohol. It's just not, it's not for me. But the mint bar became so comfortable for me and I ended up meeting you, uh, meeting Monty when I came into the bar and very quickly I felt like, you know, I don't, it's not an age thing, but Monty just felt like an older brother to me. He mentored me. He told me about Sheridan, the history of Sheridan, the history of this, this block, the town, the region, not just here, but also in the Dakotas. And, you know, it was a tough thing to move to Wyoming completely on your own and to find somebody who's lived in this region their entire life that didn't hold a grudge that somebody was moving in from out of town and actually took me per se under his wing for that first couple of years that I was here. So that's my relationship with Monty. Um, you know, one of those things that we talk about on this show is small businesses in America. I want to push that and push that and push that. With that being said, the more I got to know Monty, his story became more, the more I got to know you, the, your, your story became more impressive to me because you didn't just stumble onto a pile of gold or have a money tree in your backyard. You, and I'm going to have you take over from here and kind of tell your path from Belfouche and working on ranches to UPS to buying one of the most famous bars in America. Well, put you in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and, and again, just, <clears throat> you just, you know, take it away. I, I really would love for everybody to hear, you know, kind of some of the stories you've shared with me about working right down the road from devil's tower and, how you just you just worked you literally worked and played sports and worked your whole entire life and you haven't stopped well i kind of have yeah a little bit <laughs> but even your yeah, stopping yeah. is you know working more yeah, than most people yeah well um i'm from Belfouche, south dakota um i have um two sisters and a brother and they're all older than i am and uh my brother was um a um, practicing attorney there in Belfouche. And, um, you know, small town, 5,000 people, 118 kids in my graduating class. Um, and that's still to this day the biggest class that ever came out of that school. And there's still 5,000 people there <laughs> from 1972. So, um, um, you know, I hung around South Dakota for quite a while. I, I didn't finish my college education and and um, I don't know, that sense of adventure was, was calling on me. And I packed up and left uh, South Dakota in uh, 19, I was a winter of 79, and moved to Rock Springs, of all places. <laughs> and uh, it was... Uh, I'm laughing because Rock Springs is kind of <laughs> smack in the center of Wyoming, and it's, it's, it's not the easiest place to live. It's kind of... Go ahead. Uh, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Pretty tough. Um, I had a connection there. My sister lived there, and and uh, and I moved out there because there was a lot of work. I was just starving to death in South Dakota, um, you know, just working as a laborer. You know, was not going to get you ahead in that state, and it was hard to leave, you know, because that's where I was born and raised, and I knew everybody and football, high school football <coughs> star, the whole, oh, yeah, the whole works, you know, all that stuff, softball, and um, but I did it. <clears throat> and I um, I got hired on with UPS there, and I worked the peak season, the Christmas season, and um, they had an extremely high turnover rate, and I was just seasonal help, but they called me back 
you know, the first week in January. So how old were you at this time? I was... Um, Early 20s? 29. Gotcha, okay. Just 29, maybe 30. And um, they called me back, and and I qualified as a driver, and poof, there I had a real job, you know, a real good-paying job, a hard job. Um, the Rock Springs is a tough place to live. Um, you know, the, it had a very high transient population there because of the boom, the, the oil, gas, coal, Trona. Um, there, there, there were just people coming there from all over the place, and the locals, you know, there was a, a lot of crime in that part of the country at the time. And you probably heard some of the stories that came out of there, um, you know, about Cantrell and yep. uh, uh, Michael Rosa, the guy that uh, Cantrell shot. Yep. Um, that, that kind of stuff was going on pretty regular. But, uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous because I was pretty naive, you know, about living there and, and living in that part of the country and stuff. But I, I was just totally focused on the job. And um, it really worked out well for me. Um, I made a made a, a few friends around, and and uh, the work ethic that I was taught when I was young uh, carried over into that job. And let's let's flash back into that, like rewind a little bit. Growing up as a kid for you, you right? Know, because right. you and I, you know, I said I was going to Devil's Tower. This was two years ago. Yeah. You said, hey, yeah, yeah I had gone there. I think I was driving from somewhere to come yeah. back to Sheridan. And you said, "Hey, did you drive down the road that's got the overlook and the ice cream shop and stuff?" And yeah, I said, yeah. "Which I was I was blown away by because it sits on the edge of a cliff and you have Devil's Tower right in front of you and there's mm -hmm. a big canyon." And you had said, yeah. "Man, right across the road, yeah, I'll let you yeah. take it from there." But well, yeah, um, you know, it it, it was um, you know when when we were young, you know, we didn't, we weren't a wealthy family and everybody, you know, if you want something, you got to go work for it and. And um, a lot of my friends, you know, around Belfouche were, were farmers, ranchers and stuff. And sometimes I get to go out to their place and clown around, you know, spend the night like guys do sometimes. And, and uh, but that kind of got in my blood, you know, the, the agriculture end of it. And <clears throat> what you, what'd you like about it? There's, you know, just being outside and in the machinery you know, I like mechanicing and I like driving tractors and and uh, turning up the dirt. Love you know, <laughs> I did. I just loved it. And uh, you know, the work is hard and it doesn't pay very well, but it was great being outside all the time. You know, a lot of wildlife around, and I saw all that. Oh, yeah. And and then uh, when I was 15, um, I ran across a guy in Belfouche who lived up by the tower, and I was in J.C. Penney's, and he walked up to me and asked me if I was looking for a job. And it was, I was just out of school f for the summer. And I remember it was a rainy day. I, I still remember very clear. And uh, he said he was looking for a hired hand. And, and I said I would be interested. And he knew my mom because she worked at Safeway. And Charlie would come to town, you know, about once a week and load up on groceries. And mom would check them out. And away they'd go uh, back up to the tower. And uh, so mom knew who he was. And uh, but. Mom and Dad allowed me to go up there and work that summer. And um, what an adventure. Uh, Fifteen years old, um, you know, I worked six days a week. Um, I got paid $100 a month pl 
plus room and board. Which is probably pretty good for for, yeah. for Belfouche for then or that yeah. area. Yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, I was just glad to be making some money and yep. stuff. And um, I spent the whole summer up there with Charlie, and he taught me how to drive tractors and mechanic and weld. And we stacked hay and summer followed um, wheat ground. And he taught me how to run his combine. Um, I filled the trucks while he ran the trucks to Belfouche and back. And uh, it was an old, smaller combine, and <clears throat> you had to, you, you couldn't get around the field before the hopper was full, and you have to turn around and go back. And you know, it was a one-man deal out there right. in the field. There's nobody shuttling trucks to me. And But I did it all. I shoveled it and combined it, and when I needed more room, you know, I'd jump off and go over there and shovel grain and level it out and fill it up some more and all that kind of stuff. But um, that was my summer that year. And I thought I was rich at the end of the summer when I had $300. <laughs> I went and bought my own school clothes and supplies, and and uh, that was my 15th year, you know. So, um, and then when I was after that, I I worked on farms uh, around Belfouche, you know, up until I graduated. And which which if you guys if you haven't been there, you, I, I always recommend it. I think Devil's Tower. Everybody knows what it is from the movies and stuff like that. If you're old enough to have watched some of those movies, but if you get a chance to go through, you know, you're on I-90 or you're going through that part of the country, Deadwood, uh, Rapid City, I highly recommend going to Devil's Tower. It's it's pretty phenomenal. And But the drive up to Devil's Tower is even just as neat as Devil's Tower. It's yeah. little ranches tucked into hillsides, and it's just a neat. It's a half an hour, 45 minutes off the highway, then you hit Devil's Tower, then you get back on the highway. If you ever get a chance to go through there, really neat part of America that gets kind of overshadowed by Mount Rushmore and and deadwood and stuff like that but it's it's worth it's worth every penny and then when you get to the park it's just you drive up you know around a hill up to devil's tower and there's deer everywhere and animals and there's prairie dog towns and it's just it's neat if you got kids in a family or if you just like geology and and natural landscapes it's you can't fathom what devil's tower is until you're standing at the base of it or you walk around it it's just pretty cool the contrast in colors yeah it's just around neat. the tower just, just red soil yep uh, green forest, huge Pine gray trees, rock. Gray rock. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's, it's just neat. And everybody in that part of the country is, you know, as nice as you are to people there. You're going to get it back times ten. It's just a neat place. Yeah. You know, in Belfouche, the town. I'm I'm just probably mispronouncing it because I'm not from here. But it's you know it's a small town. You drive right through it, Main Street, railroad tracks. It is a cool little town. It's you know, Monty said it's five thousand people. And it feels like it's 5,000 or less, and it, it hasn't changed. I've, I've only been here for three years, but I've looked at old photos of it. It's just a neat town that's right smack out in the middle of, of, of that part of the region of the country, and it's just neat. Uh, sorry, a lot of people that's all right. that's you right. know, make their way up here. I want them to stop by there because people yeah. will drive by it, and they won't even, you know, they won't take the half hour, 45 minutes to, to journey off the highway. You know, on the 4th of July, they have a rodeo there, and that used to be the granddaddy of them all, the Black Hills Roundup. And that's in Belfouche? In Belfouche, you know, but Cheyenne, you know, yep. got the ball and took it and ran with it. And, you know, in the other rodeos, you know, they've uh, become bigger events, you know, than the Black Hills Roundup. But that used to be a, I mean, it's still a really good rodeo. And the parade, um, you know, they used to, I remember when I was a kid, there'd be four or five marching bands in this. And now you can't hardly get one, you know, to come out. You have to pay them a lot. Right. Um, you know, to come. Um but as a kid, that was really cool watching those marching bands go by. They had them cool-looking uniforms on. Um, 
it was really neat. I miss those old days. You know? Yeah, hopefully we'll get back there. You yeah. know, hopefully that yeah. if I feel like that's happening, obviously not right now with with the pandemic and stuff going on. But what a neat area, absolutely neat area. So you you ended up in Rock Springs working for UPS, which I was one of those people that takes getting a package for granted. And Devin Riley, um, friends with Sam Davis, who you had on here, they both worked at the same ranch together. Um, but Devin took a job recently. He's a bronc rider and he took a job with UPS in Gillette. And he was, hmm. he and I, he was on here last couple weeks ago and he was kind of talking about it, but you and I had been sitting at, at the bar and you started to go into to UPS and it blew my mind, the schedules, the routes, and it's just something you don't think about. You take it for granted. I'll never, after that conversation, I will never take for granted a package being a little bit late or, you know, whatever it is, I will never take for granted the mail system in this country, specifically corp, you know, like UPS and FedEx. But yeah, you had talked yeah. about that and how regimented it was in your route and times and hitting your numbers, but being, you know, with the top yeah. priority being safety on top of that. Yeah. But, you know, go into a little bit, if you don't mind UPS, like not the company, but what that did for you and your work there. Cause it was not an easy job. No, it wasn't an easy job. Um, you know, by the time I was 18, I knew what I wanted to do. You know, um, I wanted to be a farmer. Right. That was the only thing I've ever really wanted to do really bad, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you, I just couldn't do it. Um, too hard to get started and you work a lifetime and end up with not very much, you know, unless things really work out well. There's too many, too many factors, right. you know, um, that, can, that can ruin it. Um, but you know, that strong work ethic that I had, um, or was taught or that I followed, you know, carried over into that job and it just fit me, you know, that there wasn't anything, you know, that would stop me from getting a package delivered because that's what UPS sells is a, is a commitment to service. Right. And if they pick up a package in Portland, Oregon, and it's going to get delivered in Sheridan, Wyoming, and their commitment to service on that is three days, you and if it's in your package car, you better get it delivered. Right. You know, you don't want to come back to the building and tell the boss, oh, I didn't have time for this one. Uh, because if that was the case, I would get put that package in my car or truck or whatever I had, and I'd go back out there and I'd get it delivered. Right. Because that's the obligation. And, you know, and that gets ingrained into your mind about, um, you know, as a driver, you know, that's your duty, you know, and that's what you're getting paid for is to uphold, you know, their commitment to service. Right. And, you know, you get everybody on your page and you're on that kind of a uh, pattern, a thinking pattern and, and commitment, um, you can have a really successful operation. You know, um, but it's hard, you know, at Christmas time, you know, it's, oh man, it's so cold. You know, it's twice the amount of work that you normally would have. Right. And you got the same amount of time to get it done. And it's, you know, it's, it was fun sometimes, but some other times it was very challenging. And, um, but I learned from that, you know, about people, you know, that it wasn't just me anymore. When when I got promoted up, I was a driver for a year and two months down in Rock Springs. 
And uh, uh, a new manager came in, and he just happened to be from South Dakota. Um, he was uh, from a little town down around Pierre called Red Owl. Yep. But he went to school in Sturgis. And I knew the last name, but you know I didn't know him. And it was just happenstance that it worked out that way. He transferred down from Jackson because Rock Springs was notoriously one of the poorest running operations in the United States. And Pete loved a challenge. So they moved him down there, and of course he was looking for new supervisors and everything. And and I just, uh, you know, I was so glad to have a really good paying job that, you know, I would do anything they ask. You know, and there, if there was work there that somebody couldn't get done, put it in my package car. I'll get it, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, if there was a 12-hour um, a day, you know, I, I did it. It didn't matter. You know, I was just going to do the work because um, it was overtime. It was extra money, and I'd get my work done and, and come in, and I just had a bigger paycheck. I wasn't afraid, you know, to go do the work. And um, the, the new boss came in. You know, and he started looking around at people, and apparently I jumped off the page, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Now, Just I'm not, based on your numbers and yeah, and the way I worked, time clock and the way you worked. Yeah, the way I worked. Um, I'm not patting myself on the back here, but that's what it was, you know, that drew the attention, and and he insisted, you know, that he let me promote, he let him promote me up, and I drugged my feet on it for quite a while. I told him, I said, you know, I just like doing them. I You're like pretty happy packages. Yeah. Driving a package yeah. car, truck. And well, I was a swing driver, um, you know, which meant I covered anybody else's route. Uh, there was a lot of seniority in that building, and there were 18 routes at that time. And I could run anybody's route and do as well on it as they did, you know. And that's the boss really likes to see that so that you don't see any, uh, um, you know, in the operations daily report you don't see any numbers falling backwards because somebody went on vacation right so um that was a real challenge for me you know and i like that so um i i could cover anybody's route 18 different routes i knew every deliverable address you know in the southwest corner of wyoming and um and it really challenged me sometimes you know and if i knew i was late i wouldn't take a lunch I wouldn't stop. I'd rest on the way back, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> get back and get checked in and get done. Well, anyway, he, he worked on me quite a while and, and I just liked the work. I wanted to work that way and I didn't want to have to think about managing somebody else. Right. And, um, I just wanted to do the route and, but he finally broke me down and, and promoted me. And I thought delivering all those packages was hard trying to manage that operation was a whole nother thing the human the human variable the, yep um because you know i soon learned that people weren't as motivated as i was and trying to get them to do what i was doing was almost impossible you know i mean it was really hard but that you know i had to spare you all the hoopla down there but um in the end you know, it was that it was so the, the the job market in Rock Springs was so competitive at that time that we couldn't keep any help. Okay, the the wages were about the same if you were in the oil and gas or if you were at a coal mine 
or over at the soda ash mines, the Trona. Um, you know, it was all about the same, but you didn't have to work as hard at these other jobs as you did at UPS. So people were, were leaving, you know, they go take an equal paying job and uh, have to work so hard. So we had to fill all those spots. And this is no joke. We turned over 63 people in the first quarter after I became a supervisor down there. And we were looking to fill two, maybe three positions. But we went through 63 people before we got somebody to stay. And that was hard. That's you guys just set a standard and maintained it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And once we finally, you know, once that boom kind of started leveling out down there, the jobs became a little more scarce. Then people became a little more interested in staying there and seeing how it works out. The first month you're a driver at UPS, you know, it's a killer. And there's so much to learn. And you have to perform at a certain level or, you know, they won't keep you. And, and we spent a lot of time <laughs> trying, to, trying to get people to hang on. It'll get easier. It'll get better for you. You just got to stay. Just fight and, it out. Yeah. And, you know, we couldn't get people past two weeks. You go, ah, blow this pop stand and they're out of there. So anyway, we got it done, you know. Um, and then the, the next year, instead of being the GOAT, you know, of the division in the Rocky Mountain District. Now we're the best in the Rocky Mountain District. And that was Colorado and Wyoming combined. It's a pretty big market, I'm guessing. Pretty yeah. big region. Yeah, yeah pretty good sized. Um, you know, there's bigger ones, of course. You get on the right, East right. Coast, you know, there's a lot more about the area. Um, but just being on the operation report, when you're being compared to other operations around down in Colorado, you know, Metro Denver or Durango or, you know, geez, down at Pueblo or something like that, you know. And you guys were whooping their butts? We were number one. We were number one. Pete put it all together and, and um, you know, he'd go out and train a driver when he could. <clears throat> but most of the time it was me out once we got everybody trained, then it was follow-up rides, train, 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 and that was just my job, just to train, and and uh, now we're the stars. Love it. So it was, it was great uh, because our boss, the division manager, he's like, uh, wow, this is great. Say, uh, you know, when summer comes, he said, so uh, if you guys want to go play golf on Friday afternoon, he said, I don't have a problem with that. Just make sure I've got your weekly planner, and call in, to, call in your uh, call to your um, customer counter clerk. You know, mid afternoon. Make sure everything's all right, and go have some fun. He says, I don't have a problem with that. He says, but if you got a sick baby out there, and I call, and you're on the golf course, he said, we're going to have a problem. Gotcha. <laughs> Which is the way, that right there is the yeah. way, again, you talk about business in America, that's, uh, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you have to have a work-life balance, and mm-hmm. that was one of the things I was going to address with you, because you you own the Mint Bar, you run the Mint Bar, you're there every day, you're doing your books, you're doing everything from top to bottom, but you also take time which opened my eyes up with this stuff because it got crazy, not just me, but Candace and other people, but you know, how, what are you up to? You, you and I will bump into each other, f- you know, on the sidewalk and you're, oh, I'm going to South America to go fishing. Okay. Or, or, or 
but just to be able to do that because my dad didn't do that i don't know if your dad did that my dad didn't do that my dad very rarely took time off and if he did take time off he was still thinking about work he did take vacations but they weren't a vacation per se but you know watching you going hey no i'm gonna go bone fishing you know i'm gonna go Mm -hmm. go fishing somewhere go to south america go here go there Uh, but i love the idea of that and i'm trying to do that with the stuff that i'm involved in is if you're not happy at your job and you don't get to take any time off, then what's the, you know, what's the point of doing it? Right. It just, right. you know, you can't pull up to your job every day and be unhappy because especially if you're a forward facing business and you deal with customers, interact with them, you're just going to push that negativity right mm-hmm. through your product or your mm-hmm. service right into their hands and right yeah. into their brain. And it's just not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. You know, you had told me that before and that's one of those things like a business should be like that. If somebody's working hard and, and doing good, you should be able to say, hey, you know, it's Friday. This will be here tomorrow. Customers are taking care of it. The place isn't burning down. Go home. Go do something. Go do something. Yeah. Just don't be here. Yeah. Um, I've so, had to send Cat away a number of times. Yeah. Cat. <laughs> yep. That's okay. You know, it's go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. It's Saturday afternoon. Get out of here. Yeah. So that, that, that fast forward a little bit. So you did really well at UPS in a short amount of time. Yeah. And at what point did you, at what point in anybody's right mind, but specifically yours, do you say, screw it, I'm going to buy a bar? Because you always hear it. Restaurants and bars are the two hardest things small businesses to own or run in America. Mind you, you bought one that had been established for, you know, at that point, 80 years or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But Tell the story of how that transpired, if you don't mind. Yeah. I'm going to back up just a little bit, though. Okay. I want to finish up with that UPS thing. And my philosophy, you know, I, I you know, UPS will train their managers um, endlessly and relentlessly. Right. Keeping you fresh. And when you're a package car driver, a delivery guy, you know, you, you're the boss of that package car. And you're the boss of all the contents in there, and you're the boss of getting it to the people, okay? And, you know, I don't want to say that you have a lot of latitude because you really don't, but you're out there all day by yourself, you know, doing this job, okay? They, you get turned loose in the morning, go deliver it, okay? And you're the boss, all right? And you're a participant in the success of the company gauged on how well you you deliver these packages or they delivered safe. I didn't wreck the package car today. Um, I didn't hurt myself. Um, customer got it. It's on time. You know, successful day. You want to do that every day. And you feel like a part of the company. Okay. At least I did. And especially when I became a manager for him. Well, I kind of keep that same philosophy to this day because, you know, I... It was a hard thing going into the bar business, you know. Um, and now, now I'll get back into how we got the bar. Um, my brother called me up one day. The guy that owned the bar, Harold Riley, lived in Belfouche. He owned the truck stop in Sheridan here out on North Main, down there right across the street from McDonald's. I think it might have been a Skelly or a Texaco. I can't remember whatever it was. But it was a pretty busy place. And Harold did really well with that. How Harold acquired, acquired ownership of that bar, I don't know. Um, never found that out. 
But Harold came in one day to my brother's office, uh, the lawyer, because my brother, you know, Harold was kind of a family friend. My dad and him were, were kind of friends, and and uh, Harold knew my brother pretty well and uh, because of the golf at the country club there. And, and uh, Harold came in to get some work done one day, some estate planning or something, and told my brother that he was going to sell the bar. So real quick, I'm going to interrupt. So your brother took kind of a different path than you. Yeah. College, yeah. law school. Yep. Came back to Belfouche to practice mm-hmm. law. I can't imagine there's too many lawyers at the time in Belfouche. So there's he, a lot of them. It's, unbe- oh, there, it's there, surprising. There okay. Surprising but, how many there was there. For such a small town, I I didn't know how he was ever going to make a living, but he had more work and he knew what. But he was... He was self. He put. He went to college. Went yeah. to law school. Came oh, back. And oh man! Professional in Belfouche, South Dakota. Yeah, what he had to do, you know, to get that done was there was a lot of sacrifice. Right. You know, um, I remember him um, going to school. You know, over in Spearfish, Black Hill State College, and I don't remember what his hour load was, but then he had come back and go to work at the bentonite plant and put an eight-hour shift in. What plant? The bentonite. What is that? American colloid. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, it's volcanic ash, you know, it's a clay. It's in everything. Um, he needed to work a swing shift out there. And um, I don't know that he worked eight-hour shifts all the time. I think a lot of it was was a partial shift. But they really liked him out there, and I think they made some of that happen for him. You so know? that he could go to school... Yeah. And work at the plant. Yeah. And he was married and pay rent and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there was a lot of sacrifice there. And, and uh, then when he finally got into law school, you know, it wasn't over yet. I mean, uh, you know, his wife worked down there, but, you know, they don't pay diddly for wages, you know, in college towns. Right. And, uh, well, they managed. Let's just put it that way. And, and he got through and then he got hired by a law firm back in Belfouche. So. That worked out pretty well, and it was a few years after that that he broke out on his own. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted. No, no, I just okay. wanted because yeah. you've you, I've, you've told me that story before. I just wanted people to hear it. That you know, leading up to this, this wasn't an easy path for you guys to get to where we're about to talk about. Yeah, one of the best yeah. bars in America. Yeah. So you know, I'm living in Sheridan, and um, Deadwood, you know, had launched. You know the. Uh, they turned it into casinos. They legalized gambling over right. there. And um, and Harold had a casino up there. And, uh, you know, there were a bunch of guys involved in it and stuff. But, you know, I think it was just kind of iffy whether that one was going to work or not. But Harold, <clears throat> for some reason, decided he wanted to sell the mint and whatever it was. And so he told my brother about it. And um, my brother called me up and says... Uh, you want to partner up? Are you still working at UPS at the time? No. Okay. No, you're, you're, not you're, anymore. Gotcha. I'm, I, you're I, you're farming here in I'm farming yep. here in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yep. Yep. And uh, he uh, he says uh, Harold wants to sell the bar. He says, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. You know, I moved here and got transferred here in '84, and this is 1990, and I'd been in that bar twice." You know, I didn't have time to go to the bar back then, and right. um, I knew that it was a real good place, but I never really considered 
owning a bar. Right. It was not in my plan. No, because you, you came back here and then you ended up buying a farm outside of town. Well, I married into that. Gotcha. Yeah. But you were running a farm, like you were working a farm every mm-hmm. day, doing what doing what you wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah. you had a pretty... I liked what I was doing. You liked what you were doing, and your brother <laughs> throws this idea at you of, hey, yeah. let's buy the mint bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and um, I told my brother, I says, you know, we don't know anything about running a bar. Neither of you had any bar experience none. at all. Restaurant, bar, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. And, and if I would have thought a little bit stronger about this, that, you know, I didn't ever really pay any attention to the bar business. I'd go in, have a beer or two or something like yeah. that, and go out. I never thought about you know, managing one, what it takes, you know, to inventory, the people, uh, you know, all the trouble that goes with it. I didn't ever really think about that. And had I thought about, you know, how much I was going to have to be there and some of the trouble that goes along with it, I might have changed my mind because it's not very appealing. <laughs> no. Know, when somebody's wanting to beat the hell out of you. you yeah. Know? Yep. Um, yep. I, I didn't need to be around that kind of stuff, but I just went, okay. You know, so, um, and seven days later we closed that fast, that fast because it was in high demand that I didn't really know, um, that everybody in town, you know, wanted to buy that bar and they were lined up, you know, to get it. And we had closed on the deal before anybody even knew that it was up for sale. Yeah. Which is incredible to me. Like you said, everybody wanted to buy it. Like again, for those of you listening that haven't been to Sheridan, uh, you, if you come here, you gotta. Even if you're not a drinker, come here. Walk into the mint bar. Monty's got a cup here. It's these plastic cups that every bar sells. But in addition to the libations they sell there, they got the best fountain coke <laughs> on the planet. I don't know what it is about your ice and your coke, but it's the best coke. Come in if you don't drink. Have a coke and just see the mint bar. Walk back and forth up and down the bar and you don't have to come on Friday night when it's crazy or Saturday night, come in there at three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon and just take a half an hour to spend some time in the bar. Cause it's a weird mix of a good weird mix of, you know, gas and oil people, ranchers, cowboys, you know, cowgirls, you name it, roughnecks to, you know, every business in town, whether it's lawyers, doc, when you go into the mint bar, it's just the mint bar, but the history on the wall and the feel of the place, Sorry, I'm getting nostalgic here and interrupting, but if you come through Sheridan, you need to come to the Mint Bar. You just you just have to. It's got one of the most iconic signs in America, which uh, you can walk out and sit on Main Street. I sit out when it's nice in front of the coffee shop on a on a bench every now and then, and you know nine out of ten people that walk by get a photo underneath your under the bucking under, horse. Underneath yeah. the bucking horse, but yeah, that, that that to me, it's just if you come through here, you got to go to the Mint Bar. But sorry to interrupt. No, no, so, it's okay. So you. So you made the decision. You guys closed in seven days. Yeah. Um, so you're out probably in that seven days are still farming and driving a tractor and working cows and doing this and that and everything else. And then you're going to go, which I'm assuming in that seven days, you probably went to the mint bar 30 times to check it out. Maybe, maybe not. Did you go in and say, hey, what the hell are we buying? What am I getting myself into? I did one day. <clears throat> just went in as a fly on the wall and just sat and watched for a bit. Yeah. So, um it was, um, I had picked up an extra job uh, with um, N.A. Nelson Construction, and we built the grandstands at the fairgrounds. I knew Brad Nelson, 
he knew that I worked for UPS um, or had. He needed somebody to supervise some guys, and he talked me into that. So you're managing okay. construction, yeah. working the farm. And I don't know anything about construction either. It was just the people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, um, we make this deal. Uh, we haven't signed the papers yet. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll go down there and look at what we're buying. So one afternoon after I got off work, I came in the back door of the barn. There was just a few people in there, and they were all up by the front door. And I came in the back door, and I sat down. Um, you know, kind of by that TV on the, on the east end there. I was just sitting there, and the bartender um, was, had her foot up on the, the sink there talking to these guys. She gave me one look and looked the other way and wouldn't come down and wait on me. I was just going to have a beer and then walk around the bar and look at it. She wouldn't even wait on me, so I just got up and I walked around and looked around at the bar and stuff, and... Uh, then I went out the back door. So what were you thinking then? Because I know how you run your bar and <laughs> your employees, you're the exact opposite of that. Like even when the mint bar is crowded on a Friday night with 70 people to get yeah. through to get a drink, yeah. the girls and your team there do the best they can. Yeah. Uh, so were you like, okay, this is already going to be a challenge? Well, I was wondering, you know, yeah. at that point. Um, but we signed the deal on it, and within two weeks she was gone. That's how that worked out. Boy, and I got raked over the coals for that one because I didn't even know who the lady was, but she was kind of a, you know, a well-known bartender there. And So you're the new guys that just thought one of the oldest, best bars west of the Rocky <laughs> Mountains, and you got rid of I asked a, one of their yeah. main bartenders. Actually, the manager called me up one night and says, can I get rid of her? And I said, absolutely. So I didn't have to go in and do the, the chop, and she did it, but... My phone number got out, and I started getting phone calls at home right away. Now I'm going, oh, boy, you know, the lid is off. Yeah, what did I get myself into? So, you know, it was pretty intimidating. Um, You know, and we had a manager there, old Charlie, and, you know, I love Charlie. She was, was, um, you know, a super nice person, and everybody in town loved her. And Harold had hired her. She ran the Kelly Motor Inn in Spearfish. And Harold used to stop in there, and when he bought the mint, he got Charlie to come up here and run it. He moved her up here, and she ran that bar, you know, for a long time. And that's how she got here. But she's from, uh, um, not Ekalaka, um, can't think of southeast Montana, little town. Anyway, she's from a little town up there, and... After she retired, she moved back up there because her daughter was there. But anyway, um, moving on. Um, so you know, t- you know, my brother's busy, and I was kind of busy doing my stuff. But somebody had to get involved in it. Right. And we couldn't just let it go. Um, you don't expect to make any money. So I started working my way in and getting rejected by the manager the whole time because the word was out. Two rabbit chokers from South Dakota are going to turn this place into a sports bar. You know, it's done with. They're going to be <laughs> yeah. selling hamburgers and stuff here. I'm not kidding you. Bobby Lackman said that to me one day, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> we just got it, and we don't have any plans to do anything. Right. Who's going to keep it the way it is? And Oh, yeah, but you guys. Which, you know. which 30 years later, coming on 31 years, what have you changed in the bar since you bought it? 
It's got but, a jukebox. It's what else has changed? Because you and I had that conversation. I was sitting in there and I said, "What have you changed?" And it was remarkable that you really haven't changed anything, anything. except added. You know, there's an ATM and a jukebox. Like, well, there's, well, you know, there's some modern updates in there, like. <clears throat> You know, we got an internet jukebox and, of course, the ATM. But, you know, I've cycled through the bar stools um, four times. I won't now, though, because I got these custom made ones in there. Yeah, you had a, Those a, won't you had a leather uh, saddle yeah. maker, leather guy. Yeah. You're, yeah. You know, build custom Wyoming. You know, and I put a new ceiling in back by the pool table. Yeah. Uh, just some general maintenance. But outside of that, that bar hasn't changed one damn bit. No, and it's great. You and I had that conversation because I remember I was walking down the street or in the alley or something, and you said, hey, come in. I need you for a second, and I'm climbing up a ladder while you're redoing the air conditioning vent. Like, it, yeah, but, And you yeah. said that. I said, hey, what has changed here? And you said nothing. No. You know, we've reupholstered the seats a few times. We've done this, but the bar hasn't changed in no. 30 years. And if you look at the photos you have from the original bar, it really hasn't changed much. No. You know, it's, it's just, you know, it looked almost like that early 1900s style there's photos of the history of the bar all over the bar. You can see, you know, some of the old photos and some of the old owners. Um, but yeah, that's remarkable. So a few modern conveniences, but nothing else has really changed. You know, the old, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. And, yeah. um, you know, my brother a few times had some ideas that, you know, I just was like, no, I don't think we should do that. And, you know, we kind of knocked heads a few times over that, but in the long run, um, he understood. You know, and he told me not too long ago that, you know, what you wanted to do was the right way to go. Just leave it alone. It, it, you know, it is what it is, and um, that's why people like it. There was a, I'll tell you a funny little story. Every now and then on the, on the wall there, um, you know, where the pictures are, every now and then the, the glass will get broken, one of those, you know, and we take it off, and hopefully the picture didn't get cut, and I run it over to Parker's glass, and they put a new piece of glass in there and come back and put it on a wall. Well, we had one get broke, but it didn't get put back in the same place. I don't remember what the circumstances were there, but my brother had come to town, and he was sitting at the bar, and there was some lady there talking to him, and, and she goes, by the way, what happened to that picture you know, that was right there? And he goes, um, I think it's down there um, on the other end now. And she just looked at him. She says, well, that isn't where it belongs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I so, love it. Yeah. I love so it. You That's just, a mint bar. Yeah. You just like, I mean, that place means so much to so many people in town. Well, and it's, it, it's, it's amazing to me. I'm new here. You know, I, I, if I have it my way, I'll die in Sheridan County. I'll never yeah. leave. I love where I live. I love story. I love here. You know, I moved here for a reason and I've found peace here. I love it here you know, I'll never leave here, but it's amazing to me how many times I'll talk to somebody in this town and they'll start to tell a story about somebody riding a Buffalo or an old Bronc rider. Again, I'm not a rancher, a cowboy, a Bronc rider. I, 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 I'm horrible on a horse, but how many times people will say, yeah, his photos on the, you'll, you'll go, it's, he's my great grandpa. His photos on the the wall riding a buffalo or riding a you know yeah. you know this guy was was one arm and he was still a, a bronc a rodeo champion his yeah. photos on the and they won't just say that but they'll say if you go there's a ram's head on the wall go down look four photos it's just incredible how many people in the history of sheridan and not just sheridan county but this region are on that wall mm -hmm. you know the founders you know, not the founders per se but the next generation after the homesteaders man there's just 
you, I could look at that wall every time I go in there, I could look at it for two hours. Um, but yeah. it's yeah. remarkable. And then I don't know how much you want to get into it, but the, the history of the bar, like the poker room and downstairs and how things were done. And, you know, I would love to talk about it a little bit. And then if we could go over and take some photos so we can put it up on the YouTube with it, if you're up for it. Sure. But sure. it used to be, there used to be a poker room in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that a little bit. Cause that to me is where my, you know, my brain, I wish I grew up in the early 1900s or, or the 1800s the, yeah. to yeah. go into a saloon or a pub or a bar and have a poker room. Like that just, it fascinates me. It yeah. just fascinates me. Even yeah. not being a big drinker, it just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So the back room where your office is now and where you have some storage and stuff is it used to be a poker room as well. Yeah. Yeah. Was was that legal at the time? Well, no. But <laughs> it wasn't. But that um you know, um let me see if I can get this put together. Um it was a speakeasy. Okay, first of all. Right. Okay, Prohibition in 1919. Um, Prohibition ended in uh, 33, I think. And in order for places like that, you know, to stay open, something had to be going on. Um, it was turned into a, um, a cigar and soda shop out front, but in a back. You know, there was a speakeasy back there, and the guys went back there and drank and, and played poker, Okay. And that was that stayed a poker room, you know, for a really long time. Um, I think into the '60s, it was still a still a poker. Oh, that room. long. Mm-hmm. And it was against the law, but you know, somebody would go around town and collect the fine. You just paid the fine once a month, and you know, you give you know an officer or something like that, you know, a twenty-five dollar fine or something like that, and. Everybody turned the other cheek, and they go down to the next place and collect the money, and everybody stayed open, and they operated that way um, until you know things got tightened up. Um, but that's how it—it it, it was illegal, but everybody did it, right? You know, right? But it just cost you. You know, it was like kind of like mafia. You know, um, you got to pay us if you want to be here. Well, right. That's kind of the way it was. And. Um, I don't know what year that got stopped, but it was in the 60s sometime when the city finally said, you know, no more of that. So that back room was pretty cool. And after we bought the bar, um, there were some handmade, you know, because of all the woodwork in the bar is hand done. And there was some furniture in the back room that was all handmade too. And I got a phone call from a guy, I think he was up in Montana, he says, I have the craps table that was in the back room. He said, it's all been redone, and um, calling to see if you'd like to buy it. And I'm like, well, where am I going to put that? You know, I didn't have any place to put it. So I turned him down. And then I got a call from a guy that had the blackjack table. And I had to turn him down, too. But there was some furniture in the back, you know, like a, kind of a couch, um, you know, like, a, a, you know, a big wooden chair. You know, it was all padded cushion and everything like that. Um, that was in the back room, too, but I found out where that was just by accident one day. And it's down on the Key Line Ranch down by Newcastle. Candy Hardesty's parents got a hold of that, that furniture, and it's still in their house down there. Is it really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. In really good shape. You know. That's cool. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't make any attempt to get it back because I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, you know, I just, I just didn't know what I would do with it. Right. But anyway, so you still have this gambling thing going on in the back room, and it got stopped um, over time. And um, during Prohibition, I want to back up on this a little bit, the bar that was in there, they had to take it out and put something else in, okay? And that got moved over to... Um, I think it was Marlowe or Gibo. They were the owners at one time, moved over to their place. And I think it was over on Burkett Street. And the story that I got is that they sold it to somebody over in Buffalo, and they had a speakeasy over there somewhere, and the revenuers came in and caught them. And they took an ax to that bar and chopped, chopped it, it up. up. So the original mint bar... Is bar gone. Is, is gone. gone. It yeah. got the authorities. Yeah, axed it literally. Yep. <clears throat> so, and then uh, you know, a guy in Sheridan here opened up a business not all that long ago, and he told me that he bought the original bar from somebody up in Montana, and I was, and he put it in this business, and I was like, no, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, you got, bam- um, you got bamboozled. You got there may be something fishy about this because you know I don't I don't know how valid that story was, you know, that I right. got and it. It was possible, but I had a picture of the old bar, and I went over and looked at his, and I'm going, and I got the picture, and I'm going like, these aren't the same things, and he said, no, no, the guy told me that was that was a real deal, and I said, well, you know, come over to the bar and look at this, you know, at this old bar. I know the photo you're talking about, the black and white photo, yeah, with the guy yeah. standing there, and uh-huh. yeah, yep, and he goes, uh, I think you're right, <laughs> it doesn't look the same. I said, well, you know, it's whatever. You right. know? So anyway, um, there is no originality left or no original bar left. Uh, that's gone. And um, anyway, um, you know, through time, the, the, the bar pretty much stays the same. These game heads, you know, that were put in there, um, Mac McVean and Wayne Elkins took ownership of the bar in about 1940. 546 or something like that and Wayne or uh, Mac McVean owned a bar over in Thermopolis and it was called Mac's Place and it was about a block off of Main Street I went and found it one time well it's not there anymore but I knew where the location was and it's got a whole different front on the building now but the original sign to Mac's Place is now at another bar on the west side of Thermopolis just as you're leaving town there's a little bar right there and there's that big sign up there it's called Max Place well that was Mac McVean's and they salvaged that sign and they kept it and kept the name and that's what that little place is called great town that's another one Thermopolis yeah. is a great 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 town yeah and I don't know if there's some family involved in that or not but they kept the name anyway Mac moves over here him and Wayne Elkins become partners in the bar and Mac and Wayne had this idea about putting the shingles up, okay, and, you know, redecorating the bar. So that process started, you know, like in 48. Um, And there was a guy, um, Tuffy or something like that, he um, he did a lot of the the branding, and they got a, a registered Wyoming brand book, 
And that's where they got the brands, and they just started stamping these so, cedar So for shingles. those of you guys listening, people that have been to the Mint Bar listening know what Monty's talking about. For those of you that don't, they took shingles, you, you know, square, what are they, five inches by five inches, maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller. But they, they vary in size, but they're cedar. They're cedar, cedar and they basically took all the registered cattle brands they, you know, within the region, mm-hmm. and they're branded on these In the wood, state in the state yeah. and they're branded on these wooden shingles these wooden cedar shingles and they're on the walls and you, you know you, visually they're a couple layers deep because there's you know there's animals on the wall there's all these photos and history on the wall you have the bar itself with you know there's wolves up on top of the bar there's rattlesnakes there's moose there's you got a buffalo bison head in there now there's there's tons of stuff in there but when you look at the shingles you start looking at them and i was sitting in there one day and i was like good God, how many, you know, you start counting just a section of them and go, man, there's 20 of them in this small section. Mm-hmm. How many brands, how many cattle brands are on the, the walls at the mint bar and the ceiling? 9,000. 9,000 brands that somebody went in and did each one of those. And then, but just the fact Wyoming is six people per square mile, you know, 500,000 people now back in the forties and beyond that, there was a third of that. Yeah. And you have 9,000. So this is a cow state. It is a cattle state. It is a, you know, it gets a gas and oil. But when you walk into the mint bar, make no mistake about it. It is a museum to the history of cattlemen and women and their families in this state. So there's 9,000. Just remember that when you come into the mint bar, look around and you go, it just kind of blows your mind. It blew my mind. It still does when I walk in there. 9,000 brands. Uh, Each on one walls. of those brands represents, you know, an owner. Um, of livestock, right? It could be horse, sheep, uh, or cattle, right? Um, That—that's a lot, you know. It's a heck of a lot. Yeah, it's a, it had to be a lot of work burning all those in. Yeah, by know? hand. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, that's that's how the bar took on the shape that it is today. Um, the bucking horse that's out there—that's, you know, uh, it's amazing. You know that that sign is still up there after all these years. I can't get it pinned down when that got put up, but I did find some history on it. Um, I stumbled across some a couple years ago. A man and a woman came in a bar and uh, they wanted to talk to me, and and um, and you know, of course, I'm going to. And and she told me that her great grandfather um, owned a paint store in this town, it's called Ferris uh, Sign Company or something like that. Not the same Ferris that the that is the doctor here. Right, okay. right. Uh, spelled a little bit different. Um, but apparently he's the one that built the sign and put it up there. And another thing I found out was that Bernard Thomas was one of the guys that painted it. Now Bernard Thomas is a pretty famous artist from around here. I think that he ended up in Buffalo and if you look at some of these big paintings that are around, or if you go to the museum, he did some really nice work in their big oil on canvas paintings and stuff, landscape and, and uh, you know, some cowboy stuff in it. Um, really nice work. Well, that's kind of impressive having a guy like him painting that sign, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's the thing about that sign, that somewhere around the, my best guess is uh, 50 or 51 when that sign went up. I, I think it's 
one of the best signs in America. I just do. And you can see it. The beauty of it is Main Street Sheridan is still Main Street America. It just, it, you can stand on one end of it a mile down the road to the north or a mile down the road to the south and you will see that sign at nighttime. It just, it just pops and it, it it's like a time capsule. Yeah. It just yeah. literally, I don't care what age you are, what generation you are, even if you're a 15 year old person now, you look at it and it just takes you back everything you've seen in books on movies and everything it's just main street america yeah i think it's the best sign in america i really do you know a guy um posted it on facebook one time and he goes around and, and photographs old neon signs and he posted this up and he said um here it is folks best neon sign i've ever seen and it was that bucking horse out there. I couldn't I like, agree wow. more. It just wow. really is. There's just something. You don't have to be a cowboy. Yeah. You don't have to be a bronc rider. You don't have to be any of that. The sign just is a, a positive. It's just, it's just a beacon of Main Street America. It really is. But, uh, man, what a, what a great history on that place. Yeah. I mean, it just, yeah. it just is incredible. And you, you know, I've been in there enough to watch you. I've been in there lately. Uh, just 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 haven't been in lately i need to come in more but um the, the one of the funniest things about you is how nice you are to everybody but i've been in there a few times because it's a bar it's going to happen you know it, it happens at every bar in america no matter what it is you're going to get ding dongs in there who drink too much or run their mouths or have a big ego and i've seen the other side of you <laughs> i've seen the manager of the mint quickly resolve a situation before it escalates and there's a, a lot of how old are you 66 there's probably half a dozen people in the country i wouldn't mess with and monty is monty's one of them like i wouldn't <laughs> like i've seen a few times a couple times i've been in there and things could have gotten really ugly really fast because people were way over their limit and over you know they were they were just being an idiots they yeah. you know and you guys do a pretty good job if somebody's cutting people off and Hey, not sir. You know, you, you, you got to take that behavior somewhere else. Take the take the rest of the night off. Yeah, take yeah. the rest of the night off. Come back. We'd love to. Have, you know, you yeah. guys are very polite about it, but I've seen a few times where, you know, the old Patrick Swayze. You were nice until it was time to not be nice, and <laughs> you have seventy five, a hundred people in a bar, and you stopped it, just like that, and it was a different side of you. And I've seen a lot of that with my background, you mm -hmm. know, bar fights, whatever it is. Yeah. Not me personally, but guys that know how to fight in a bar and mm -hmm. cause trouble, whatever it is. And that whole bar both times just stopped and everybody said, oh, shits. And I heard somebody say it one of the times the room got real quiet. The music stopped and somebody said, oh, shit, somebody pissed Monty off. That's not a good idea. And it was not a good idea. But anyway, well, no, because the, the bar is so hospitable. You go in there any time of day and it's just it's a comfort. You what you can't feel not feel comfortable when you walk in there. But you also i think a lot of people would come in there and if you're in the bar moving around or doing stuff they wouldn't kind of peg you as the owner because you don't walk around like that you know you don't walk around like oh this is my place i'm the king of the, mm -hmm. the mint bar yeah. but people can easily talk to you and i didn't know you were the owner of the bar until you and i had a conversation mm -hmm. but I, that, it's just a great place but it's just funny to see that side of you because i know you grew up you know you're a good boxer you're you're an athlete but to see you and I think you're still in your prime and I would, oh, I, I wouldn't come into the mint bar and cause trouble. <laughs> I just wouldn't on my best day. I yeah, wouldn't come yeah. into the mint bar and cause trouble, especially not when you were there. And it's, it's funny cause you, the girls that work there are great too. I share an alley. I'm not, I don't own a building here, but the building that Bison union is in shares an alley with you guys. And there's four dumpsters out there and none of them have names on them of what businesses they belong to. So sometimes I'll go out there 
you know, with trash and throw it in there. And I made the mistake this last week of using the mint bar. Oh, yeah. Before I, I heard about before this. I even got the <laughs> lid open, you know, the, the, the side door swings open and this girl who's about six foot five standing there. <laughs> she's like, Hey, that's not your dumpster. You know, she was nice and polite, yeah. but it's just funny. It's just great. It's small town American. I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, they don't have names on them. One of these is ours. I'll take all, I'll move them down to a different dumpster, but it's just funny. The mint bar to me is the quintessential. I keep saying this. It is the quintessential American bar saloon. It's more of a saloon to me. I know you don't call it a saloon. It's a bar, but to me, it's again, like something that if it was 1940, if it was 1910, you know, it still feels the same exact way to me. And I think that's Mm -hmm. disappearing a little bit in America. Uh, people are trying to get back there with the pandemic and COVID. I think a lot of people in America are waking up and going, we got to preserve some of the good stuff and we can't yeah. be in such a hurry. You know, this has yeah. been a real lesson for a lot of people, but it has been, you know, the mint bar and a lot of small businesses are disappearing that, have, you know, I grew up in Kansas city and every time I talk to somebody back home, a restaurant that's four generations, that has been there forever is done there. You know, there's a for sale sign outside. Um, and I think the mint bar just is timeless and to be able to come to, to Sheridan and right smack on the middle of main street, have something like that. That's a time capsule. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. It, it, it is. And, um, you know, I, I had to learn it from the ground up and I didn't know that many people in town when we took ownership. And, you know, when I walked in there after we were the owners, um, you know, people were pointing their finger at me and you know, like that, that's the owner, you know, and I didn't have a clue who anybody was, but the nature of it, you know, and the bar and its history and stuff, it didn't take long to get to know some people. Right. And then I, it, 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 it was, you know, I couldn't keep up with it because I, I was learning, making new friends every day, you know, and I couldn't keep track of all of it because that's where everybody went. You know, back in the day, you could come downtown, you know, in the summertime, you could come down on town on a Wednesday night and it was just as busy on Wednesday night as it was on Friday night or Saturday night because the partying started on Wednesday around here. And that place, you know, was packed like rodeo on those nights, any given night. And there was, you know, just so many people. And, you know, I'm trying to get to know all these people and trying to figure out how to run a bar. And, um, wow, it was, it was overwhelming that the place, uh, you know, when they say, uh, you know, it says on our sign where good friends meet. Well, you know, you might not be good friends with anybody when you go in there, but when you leave, you probably will be. I've had, you know? just with people I've connected with on social media and Bison Union and the other stuff we do, the amount of people that if I'm not in town or if I'm not down here that send me a picture in there and it's not just they don't just send a picture they say man we we went in for one drink we stayed there for four hours and they got to meet you and i get one of those with the COVID stuff going on it slowed down a little bit obviously but Mm -hmm. you know the bar is still open from three o'clock to what what is it ten o'clock right now yeah uh but the amount of people that come through this town that aren't from here that go in there and say the exact same thing or you know, they've met people there and ended up being friends with them. It's just remarkable. It's, it's great. It's, it's everything that a bar should be. It's, yeah. It's not yeah. just a, a bar that's just trying to slam alcohol down people's throats and make money. Well, it's that, way, way, way more than well, that. Well, that was never our mission. Yeah. You know, we wanted to preserve it as it, as it is and, and what 
you know, the history that made it that way and wanted to be welcoming everybody that wanted to come in, you know, and we didn't want a bunch of trouble. I mean, how much fun is it, you know, to go down to have a beer and, you know, the next thing you know, you got your front teeth broke out um, and you're bleeding all over the place. It's kind of hard to drink a bottle of beer that way. Right. You know, that, and there was a lot of trouble going on when we took over, um, you know, and I had to clean that up and that wasn't much fun because there's a lot of big, strong guys around here and, you know, um, I had to tell a guy one time, you know, he was starting trouble in there, and I had to tell him, you know, you might think you're pretty tough. Young guy, you know, starting fights, and, you know, you pick out your prey and somebody that you can handle. Yeah. You know, and you think you're tough. But I pointed my finger right in his face, and I said, any given day, I said, there's 500 guys in this town that can beat the hell out of you on their worst day. And I said, you know, and we're a little beyond that kind of stuff nowadays where fist fights, yeah, they happen, but somebody gets beat up, then they go out to their car and come back with a gun and blow a hole in you. Right. I said, you know, this is what it escalates to nowadays, and we're not going to have it. So you're going on vacation. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> and that was the end of that. But the only way that I could get it cleaned up was because um, we had repeat offenders. Right. You know, same guys were fighting all the time. And it just took the fun out of the place. Um, I mean, I had this, when I was in there and a fight broke out, I mean, the place just went quiet. People started getting real quiet. And the next thing you know, they're going home. Well, that's no fun. No. So I had to, I had to do something about that. So I just laid the rule down. You fight in here, you don't come back. You're gone. Banned. Forever. Not just 30 days, six months, whatever. It's for the rest of your life. And some of them challenged me on that. They didn't believe me. Five, yeah. three, four, five years later, they come back in and they go on trying vacation. Trying to get again. in, trying to get in. I meant it. Oh, you didn't really mean it? Yeah, I did. You know, it's over with for you. Don't come back. I hated being like that, but that's, you know, I had to send a stronger message, yeah. you know, to yeah. You know, you could have a cop come down and, and get him arrested or something like that, but, you know, I don't want to do that either. That's when people use their heads. Yeah, and the police know? have better, you know, they don't need to be dealing with drunkards yeah, and, and yeah. people fighting in bars. You know, and then they'd pay a fine and, oh, yeah, I guess maybe I shouldn't be doing that. But, um, you know, in a month, there they were doing it again. Yeah. So they, they, it wasn't soaking in. So, you know, I had to run them. And then the word got around pretty fast after that. Didn't have much trouble. Mess in. around at the mint, you're going to go on vacation. Yeah, you know, it's it's not what that place is about. No. It's You're supposed to go in there and meet people, have fun, and... And uh, there's lots of things to talk about. You know? There is. And I, I was actually at a birthday party for some kids. Uh, a buddy of mine's kids were uh, had a birthday party. And some guys from Buffalo and Sheridan that, oh, I think they're probably in their 60s, were telling stories about uh, riding horses. You know, like at one point rode a horse. Not, not, and not too long ago either. Mm -hmm. But riding a horse in the back door and out the front door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, which <laughs> there's people still want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Well, I tried to get you, you know, you agreed to it if we could figure out how to do it, but to get a buffalo, you know, inside the bar. And well, I, you're going to bring that bear in or one a time. bear, yeah, yeah, a bear, but uh, bringing in a full size grizzly bear to, to, to do, do something. And then what's the movie? Um, Wild Horses, Wild Horses with uh, uh, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogers, and Ryan King from King Saddles is and King Ropes is actually in the movie. He's the he, kid in the movie. I'm sure he is. But uh, yeah. 
you know, the guy gets thrown out the front window of mm-hmm. the, the mint bar. So yeah. good, good movie, by the way, shot right here, but really good movie. Yeah. Uh, but Wild Horses, if you watch that. It was a made for TV. Yeah. By MGM. Yep. Okay. You can't go buy that video somewhere. Somebody has to have it um, recorded it off a of TV to a VCR. Well, I think Bruce Moriarty, who Bruce lives here in town, mm-hmm. and he's you know he's been he was one of the directors on Forrest Gump and f- you know five hundred other movies, yeah. James Bond, Casino Royale, all that stuff. He, we were talking about it with Ryan King, and we actually found it. You know, it's it's really? it's it's it's, it's uh, one of the streaming services you can actually purchase it now. But it just got on the streaming service like eight months mm-hmm. ago. It wasn't it wasn't new because we were all given Ryan King yeah. crap well, that he's famous. He comes in the coffee shop and I say, "Hey, that's the guy from Wild Horses. That's the kid from Wild Horses." <laughs> that's pretty funny. I didn't know Ryan was in it, but yeah, yeah. Ben Johnson and Pam Dauber were in it, and, and Kenny, and um, you know, I didn't know any of those people. I was in town when that happened. It was about 1986, I think. Yeah, 86 that um, they were here filming. Yeah, it's just a neat bar. You, you know, I texted you one day last year, just a random text to say, hey, what are you up to? And you're like, oh, the cast of Longmire's here in the bar. And I was like, I thought you were messing with me. Mm. And, you know, I walk over there and sure enough, yeah. you know, Walt Long, Sheriff Longmire and the whole crew's yeah. bellied up to the bar at the Mint Bar. I was yeah. like, what is going on here? You know, the- I know they're actors, but when you walk in and see Walt Longmire, you know, and I know you've got his autograph. He's been in there before. He's, yeah. He signed your one of your coolers in the back. But, you know, when you walk in there and you see Sheriff Walt Longmire just, you know, sitting at the Mint Bar like he lives here in town and just completely relaxed and you guys are just joking. It was just cool. I don't get enamored by famous people too often because they're just people. And he, yep, yep. again, he messaged me on Facebook after I met him there. Nice. Those guys couldn't be nicer people. They are. They're and, fun and to hang out with. Nice, yeah. nice guy. Came into the coffee they're, shop. You know, just, they're just they're just regular people. They are. They just have a particular talent, and yeah. you know, they're on TV. Yeah, so. I just I just thought it was funny of all the bars of all the places to text you and you say, hey, I'm hang. You should come over and check it. And you walk in there. I thought I literally thought you were messing with me, and I walk in and <laughs> you know I don't watch too many TV shows, but that's one that I enjoy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But just anyway. Because he's a down-to-earth he, he, sheriff. Oh, man. You know? He just walked up and down Main Street for two days with his daughter shopping and yeah. just enjoying Sheridan. No, yeah. And I would watch outside. The, not, not one person would bug him. No photos, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Just that Sheridan. But if somebody um, if somebody recognized him, he would stop. Oh, in a heartbeat. Take pictures, yep. talk to him, shake hands, whatever. He'd spend 10, 15 minutes with you and then move on. Yeah, you know? in a heartbeat. He's a cool guy that way. And, yeah. Uh, Adam Bartley is the same, same way. Same way, yeah. You know? Super And nice I met guy. Bailey... Um, what's the heck is his name? Um, you know, he was the deputy Yeah, that got killed. Um, his dad ended up killing him in the show. Um, he was here and I also met, um, a Martinez. He's the guy, um, I forget his name in the, in the movie, but had the casino, but he, yeah, he's the, uh, but Walt had accused him of killing his wife. Yeah. Okay. I saw a Martinez it must have been 1985. I was training a driver, a UPS driver, in the alley um, across the street from here, over behind Kings. Okay? Right. Yep. We were part, well, actually we were, we were right behind what where Smith Alley is gotcha. right now. I was with the driver and you know going through the process and stuff and and I look up and 
down the alley this guy was walking and I was waiting for the driver to get back to the package car and he got closer and closer to the package car and then walked right by the package car and I'm going like, hey, that's that guy. Um, he, he was doing soap operas at that time. And, uh, you know, he's in one um, steady. He was a regular character there. And uh, he's also the guy, he was a young kid when uh, they did the movie The Cowboys. He was the kind of the outlaw kid who, you know, coming in and, and John Wayne didn't want him and, you know, told him to leave or something like that, took his gun from him. But that was him and he walked right by the package car and I'm going like, yeah, hey, that's who that dude is. So anyway, when he was here two summers ago, and I think this might have been the first time he was here, you know, with the group, um, he was at the bar and uh, it was kind of funny. Um, I had them all in a back room and, and uh, you know, I was showing them the history and everything and and uh, we were talking, and uh, he was on one side of the bar, and I was on the other when we when we came out and sat down. And um, he had his back to me, and I put my elbow up on the bar like I was going to arm wrestle him. And uh, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, "Let's arm wrestle for a beer." And he went, "No, <laughs> I'm not doing that with you." <laughs> yeah, I was just joking. Not happening. I wasn't going to do that. I'm just getting his attention. But yeah. but it was then I told him. I said, "I saw you." in 1985 walking down the alley over here and he said I was in town we were filming a scene for a movie called Pow Wow Highway um, I'd heard the title never saw the movie um, but it had something to do with the reservation and yeah, yeah. things like that you know um, he says wow he says that's funny um, you know you'd remember something like that I said you walked right by me you know he says, oh man Small world, and anyway, he was a super friendly guy, too. Yeah, the bar's so. great. You know, I had Sam Davis on here. You said you listened to that podcast. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. You know, I remember you and I sitting there, and you, you texted me and said, hey, are you around? You're going to be around for a while. I want you to meet this kid. We laugh about it. Sam and I laugh about it because you said meet this kid. I was expecting to walk in and see like a 17 or 18-year-old, 150-pound high school kid, and I walk in, and Sam's as big as the door to the I bar. <laughs> and, you know, that's the first time I met Sam. You yeah. said, hey, this you got to meet Sam, he's you know he's he's a good kid. He's not a, you know I laugh about it because he's not a, he's a monster of a man. Yeah. But it was funny just to met him and I've met I've met a lot of people over there. Um, just a great bar. I could talk about it all day long. And this I don't yeah, work for yeah. money. I don't have anything involved in the mint bar. I just for me you know a lot of people come here and they come by the coffee shop. And if you come to town, go to the mint bar first. If it's the afternoon, go there. And because the history of Sheridan County, you know, Johnson County, where Buffalo, Wyoming is Campbell County, which is just east of here. The history of this region is on that wall in there. Take some time again. You don't have to you don't have to walk in there. Nobody's going to get mad if you come in there and don't have a, a beer or, or you go get a Coke or something. You know, just go in and check out the mint bar. Uh, the other thing I, I just this was not by chance. I just grabbed a gray sweatshirt and by fate it happened to be the mint bar sweatshirt money gave this to me two years ago you know just as a gift but if you come here you go go to go to the mint bar and then get a king's hat uh but the mint bar arguably has the coolest merchandise as well and this isn't a sales pitch their stuff is great and you know it's historical you know the, the hat that Monty's wearing right now is another one but go into the bar check out their t-shirts and hats you know get a drink if you want to sit and drink for 10 hours do it it's a great place to just sit and watch the traffic come in you can look out the window and see Main Street but I keep saying this 
probably if you know if i had to guess top five bars in all of america from coast to coast and i think i think it's the coolest bar west of of the rocky mountains i just do the the history of it the town where it sits come check out the mint bar if you're in town and, and monty more than likely is not far you know if he's in there fine you know say hi he's not you know he's he'll he'll graciously say hi to you as well as staff but he's you're in there every day unless yep. you're fishing unless you're fishing you're in there every single day you're home cutting my fingers off you're yeah i didn't talk about that but yeah you're, you you're, you're an accomplished woodworker <laughs> you know he's got a wood shop up at his house too so guy that can do anything and everything um so when we end this um, yeah. you know i just want to make sure everybody understands you know that we just tried to keep it you know what it is and not over promoted into something that it isn't and you know it's a bar that anybody can come in and sit down have a cold beer cocktail or whatever and make a new friend i have met so many people over the years i can't even keep track it's it's impossible you know to to keep track of, you know, a, a specific number or, you know, somebody that I met in 1990, you yeah. know, in that bar. I just, I mean, it's just overwhelming. Um, you know, it's a very important place on Main Street in Sheridan. And I'd, I'd arguably, I'm interrupt you, and I would arguably say it's the most important place on Main Street, which is a big deal for me to say because I, yeah, know, I'm not is. a big drinker. I'm not a big yeah. partier. Yeah. I think it's the most, to me, it's a museum yeah. that serves libations. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not trying to turn it into, you know, a, a tourist yeah. attraction other than the sense mm -hmm. that it's in a museum. It's the history of it, like you're saying. Sorry to interrupt, but no, I think it's, okay. it's the most important place on Main Street, without yeah. a doubt. Well, it sure could be. I, I, never, I know you're not going to say that. No, I'm not. I'm going to no. say it. I think yeah. it is the most important attraction on yeah. Main Street and probably in this town, which you see it me. from, a, you know, after 30 years, you see it in a different way than I do. Right. Okay. Um, I, it's just the way it is. And, but, you know, um, after all these years, you know, we've kept the tradition there and we, we let it be what it wants to be. And we welcome everybody, um, from, you know, someplace in Wyoming to Belgium. I mean, uh, you know, I have a guest book in there and we have autographs from all over the world. And, and it's really kind of fun to look back. Uh, you know, sometimes I just, you know, I don't have anything to do. I get one of those books out, those guest books out, and I page through there, and I look at the comments and and um, and, and where these people are from, and literally almost anywhere in the world, somebody has come in that bar, and I've had people come in that bar, you know, from another country, and I go like, well, how did you find out about this place? Well, our friends. You know, we're here last year and said that if we were going to Yellowstone, you make sure Gotta you stop at that bar. bar. So it's word of mouth, you know, that it gets around. Um, you no, know, and there's, and, there's, I, I, this is not a negative comment by any means, but there's other bars in this region that have, you know, big, big names and a big history, but you go in them, it's not the same feel. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a tourist attraction and mm -hmm. it's getting people in, getting people out. Yeah, this is yeah. not what the mint bar is. I think the mint bar is, is what some of those bars. I, I won't even go into that. I don't want to be sound like I'm being negative because they're great bars. Yeah, and they yeah. they serve the purpose they do, and they're good to their customers, mm -hmm. and they're neat to go into. But it's not the same. The mint bar is not a, 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 a 
a low rent tourist attraction or a dive bar that you know is on a dive bar list or something it's not like that it is a it is a piece of history and it's a a very well-preserved piece of history that i think is the personification of hard work meeting downtime off and relaxing you know over over what a hundred and we're at 115 years now getting there Uh, sorry, I, I get excited. No, no, like no, you know me, the first time I walked in there and met you, I yeah. I, I, I literally was just standing in with my eyes wide open, turning around in a circle, going, "What in the hell is this place? Yeah. It's amazing." Yeah, I uh, I remember. Um, I'm one of the first people you really got to know. Uh, you are the first person. You yeah. PJ, obviously yeah. from Bighorn Design, who yeah. who does some of our hats and T-shirts. But mm-hmm. you were the next person I met. Mm-hmm. You and uh, Tanya. And I loved, I loved telling you about it. Oh, it's great. Um, you know, and we could talk about it for hours. There's, yeah, you know, we didn't yeah. get into when you pull into Sheridan. If and most people are coming from the east to the west, but you, you, when you come into Sheridan in the right direction, there's a giant tree. There's that that is lit up right now. It's probably seventy feet tall. At the base of that tree is a statue of 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 a man that is not a big man, uh, but his it's a it's a bronze statue that's done really well and he's got an elk rack over his shoulders the same photos on the bar at the mint bar you know we should have you back on sometime to talk about that during hunting season or talk about that person Mm -hmm. um but you know a small greek man that came here with his family and you know is the quintessential i keep using that word the quintessential immigrant that came to america to work hard and move to the middle of wyoming which is not back then even now it's not an easy place to live uh, it's not hard if you have the right clothes, the right equipment, the right machinery. But yeah. back then, it was not an easy place to live mm-hmm. and start a business. But you know, that's a good. That would be a good person to talk about. Is in, you know, you gave me that story, and I was just blown away by it. Yeah. Um, How kind of man, Sam Abrak. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, he loved kids. Um, had a really cool sporting goods store, just two doors down from us. Um, he was friendly to everybody. He just some people just have that thing you know yep so sam didn't just because i was the owner of the bar the new owner of the bar down there he didn't say anything about me we just sat down and talked you know and he told me stories about you know him going to him and mac mcveen going to alaska hunting and um you know and of course everybody knew, knew sam and everybody's got a story about him you know but if back if you were a little kid and Sam loved fishing. Those old cheesy Zebco fishing poles yep. that you get, you know, every now and then a handle will fall off of one of those and you lose that nut that goes on there. Well, it, I swear they changed the thread on all of them, you know, about twice a year. You could never find a nut, you know, to put that handle back on with. But if you took your pole down to Sam, he'd dig through a box of stuff that he'd have and he'd fix that he'd fishing, fix pole fishing pole for, you. for, a, co- for a kid. You know, so he could go fishing. He wouldn't charge you anything for it. That's he great. just did it, you know. And uh, that's one of the things that made Sam so famous is that he was just a good guy that way. You know? Yeah, and, I, and I, you, you said it. You're one of the, I think, the second person that I really met here in town other than the staff of, you know, Bighorn Design who I was working with. And, you know, I had doubts about moving. You know, I we picked up and moved here to the center of Wyoming just out of the blue and people talk about it all the time I'm gonna move somewhere it was on my list I wanted to live in a rural remote area near some mountains and you know that first year of being here was not easy Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't 
not easy in the sense of, you know, any issues other than just reestablishing your life and building something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't thank you enough. You know, the Mint Bar, yeah. I haven't been in there much, obviously. You know, I've been a lot, lot going on. I've been traveling a lot, and I have been finding solace. Just, and I'm sure you've had periods of time like that in your life. Oh, yeah. I just like being yeah. by a fire with my dogs up in the mountains. Yeah. Um, What's wrong with that? No, yeah. there's nothing. And I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of rebooting a lot going on. Just my, you, your priorities can get away from you. Mm-hmm. And some things become more important than others. And for me, for a while, it was money and some other stuff became more important to me than just being a decent, happy person every day and waking up and being grateful for being alive. And, you know, you're one of those people that kind of re- helped me reboot that stuff. you got to take time out every you day do. You to do. do something for yourself, you know, something that you like to do. And you also have to take time out every day to do something else for somebody else so that you don't focus on yourself so much. Right. The other thing that you do that you taught me that I've watched you is that I've always been really bad at. And again, this isn't in a negative light. You're one of the few people I've met that has no problem saying no. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's not a negative thing. You're not a, you're not a jerk. You're not mean. But if, you, if, if something doesn't work out right, you don't have a problem saying no. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Monty, do you want to go to dinner tonight? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to go home. Monty, do you want to do this? You should do that with the bar. Nope. Yeah. You should sell this t-shirt or hat. Nope. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people won't do that. And even if they want to say no, they don't say no. They, mm-hmm. they beat around the bush to, yeah. which, yeah. you know, I'm learning from people like you that it's okay to say no. Yeah. Nope. That doesn't, that's not good for me. It's not good for you. It's, it's, it's yeah. not in my priorities or it's not important mm-hmm. to me right now mm-hmm. because of this. No. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of reflection in the last year or two, you know, when COVID hit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it. Um, you know, now I have a manager to run the bar. I don't have to be there every day. Um, and I've just been home, you know, with the two new puppies and. Which cracks me up because Matilda's walking around behind us back here, and Monty, Monty used to come over. Uh, Monty would come over. Oh, I'm never going to, I don't I don't want a dog. I don't need a dog. I don't want a dog. And then he would come down to Bison Union and it just, again, it would be a stop in for he, oh, I was over here looking, uh, talking about making some hats and he, you'd make your rounds <laughs> to pet the dogs when they were all here every day. And then Matilda in particular, and then you started bringing treats in your pocket. Yeah. And then yeah. what, two, a month ago, two weeks ago, I ran into you and you, or you text you and you said, I've been busy with this. And he sends me a picture of, you know, not one. But two brand new puppies he's got. Two, two at, Frenchies. Two Frenchies that he's got at his, uh, at his house. <laughs> it's just ironic. They're great. They uh, are. But um, what I was getting at, I spent a lot of time, you know, at home, you know, through the summer because of the COVID thing, um, you know, just trying to stay away from it. And I had a lot of time, you know, to think about the last 30 years at that bar. And there are some things that I would change, you know, for sure. But it has been uh, an adventure, and your life should be an adventure, um, you know, owning that place. Um, I never thought I was better than anybody else, and I still don't. Um, but it's been a privilege, you know, having that place, and my brother feels the same way, you know. Um, I wish he would have been able to come up here and spend a lot more time in it than he had, you know, and give me a break from it for a little while. And, and, you know, and I, and I was away from it a little bit, but, um, you know, when you get older, I guess, and this is one of the things that you do is you start reflecting back on your life a little bit. What would I change? 
what would I do? What would I do better? Um, what should I do now? Um, you know, um, I'm not trying to, you know, um, set up some kind of a thing where people remember me because I own the mint. You know, I'd rather have people remember me because I was a decent guy and I shared what I had. Right. You know, um, I'd rather be remembered for that. But my name will be attached to that, to that bar. And it's okay because it's a cool place. And it's a cool place because of what it was when we bought it. And then there isn't much difference in it right now. Which is know? hard to uh, yeah. look yeah. at any bar in America or any kind of retail operation. Yeah. Or, for 30 years and not changing a thing is pretty remarkable. You know, we have this this brochure, this walking tour guide that goes through the bar, and we have a little story about the bar for, you know, for the people from out of town. You know, they can read this and get a little feel for, you know, what the place is. But there's a little short passage at the end of it that kind of sums it up. If you don't mind, I'll just read Please this. Do. Just a few lines. Please it says, do. It says, the Mint Bar is a thriving institution that achieves the rare combination of current service to the community while preserving the colorful history of the Big Ranch era and the memory of those who lived it. Well now, said. That's, that is the bar, you know, and that's what we've tried, to, the, the way we've tried to keep it. So stop in. Yeah, come by the bar you, again. You make sure you got your ID out when you come through the door. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know, think we ran you out of there about a year ago, didn't we? Yeah, I've, yeah I haven't. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think the only place I've really eaten or visited in the last year, just again, I'm enjoying cooking at home, is is McDonald's. Don't don't ding me for that. Oh man, I know you're going to give me a hard time, um, but you know, I just I, I'll be back in there a lot more. You're you going to get the meat sweats. I know from eating from me eating at McDonald's. <laughs> Were you in the bar that night? Um, I think you were there, weren't you? When a girl reached over and choked Tanya? Yep, yep. That was one of the nights where, you know, wow. and, you know, I had been talking to you. you know, I'm not a big guy at all, but the chaos happened so fast that, you know, it was a fight between, it wasn't a fight. It was a quick confrontation between two women. And the only way to fix that was to, you know, break them apart well, there were some guys there that had happened so fast that didn't realize that it was you that was pulling them apart. They thought it was somebody who was, you know, mistreating a woman. Yeah. It's so fast. Yeah. But yeah. I jumped behind you, and I'm not. A, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Like I just, <laughs> if you know, again, like I, I don't like that kind of stuff because one punch these days can kill somebody. Yeah. You know, or like you said, somebody will go out to their car and make a. Uh, you know, a permanent decision in a temporary situation and shoot somebody in the face. Yeah. I don't want to be on the back end of that. Yeah. Uh, but a table of guys got up and I just, I got old man strength for, for my age. And, you know, and then I was like, Oh God, I pushed two guys back into a bar. And then I was, they were, they were all looking at me like, you yeah. really want to fight all four of us. But then again, you turned around and everybody's like, okay, it's money. This is, this is good. Yeah. But, but just so fast. And there was yeah. the bar was crowded that night too. Oh yeah, you know it I don't know really what the crowded. numbers are, but a hundred people or so. The Mint's not a huge bar, yeah. which is good. Mm -hmm. You know you can see the entire bar from the front door, mm -hmm. or from the pool table in the back. You can see the entire bar up front. I love mm -hmm. it. I love yeah. it. it's a long skinny bar. You can see everything, and there's two entrances. Uh, but yeah, that was chaotic. Yeah, and you know I'd been living a quiet life here in the past. Fights I was you know in the middle of bar fights. Not me because I'm a lover, not a fighter, but. 
that's the first time in a long time that I'd been in a situation like that. And it was just like, whew. What's well, scary, you know? It, it is. It's super fast. And you you know, don't know who's got a knife. You don't know who's got a gun. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen or who's going to sucker punch you. And we were in a right. tight, you and I were back to back in a tight space. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, God, please, like, oof. But, well, you know, that girl reached over and choked our friend. Yeah. Stuck her hand around her throat. And I saw that and I was like, oh, you know, and I had that girl's arm, you know, off it. Off of the off oh, real friend. fast, real, real, fast. real fast. Yeah, um, but the, you're right. There were guys all over the place, you know. And I was kind of cringing because I was afraid I was going to get hit right in the back of the head. You, you, and, you almost uh, did. Like that's the way it was going because they yeah. thought they didn't realize you were the owner and manager yeah. of the bar, yeah. trying to stop the situation from escalating. Yeah. And they just saw you grab a woman's arm and stuff. And I, I saw the guy's eye, and he was doing the right thing. He's like, yeah. "Oh man, that girl's in trouble." But then, you yeah. know, it was like, "Whoo." But just so fast, and you know, again, the mint's not like that. No, you know, no. You know, I'm sure over 30 years, there's been some some good Donnie Brooks in there, and people, you know, some good fights. You know, it's cowboys, gas and oil guys every now and then. Somebody's gonna grab somebody's, you know, girl's butt or say the wrong thing to somebody, or like you said, guys that are pissed off at the world and yeah. you know probably never been really punched in the mouth before in their life that think they're yeah. tougher than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, and I, I'm assuming that it's just a rare occurrence there. Because it it's also Wyoming. Yeah. You got to assume everybody has a gun here and mm-hmm. you got to assume everybody can handle themselves to a point mm-hmm. and isn't afraid of a fight. They yeah. might not be a good fighter, but they're they're You're going to hurt. You're going to you're going to feel it. Yeah. And I, I think I feel that about Wyoming. Uh, you go anywhere here and, you know, men and even women, men and women here are not going to back down from a fight if it's over something they stand for. Well, it's still they're the West not, around here. It is. Know. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, they, you might win the fight, but you're going to feel like you got hit by a train it's yeah. wyoming people here are tough and you, you know you're really not going to be friends with anybody no nobody likes that no that's the beauty of sheridan yeah. you, you, I, it's people don't want trouble here they don't want nonsense again that's why to me this town and this isn't a, a, a tourism pitch like you know don't move here it's yeah. it's full wyoming's yeah. full but <laughs> i was the last one i got the last ticket yeah. uh but it reminds me of a really well-run you know, town in the Wild West, the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, where, you know, they, they just, people don't want trouble here. You know, they don't st- overstep their bounds. You know, it's not martial law. You don't have a thumb mm-hmm. on your head. The new police chief is absolutely great. Yeah. Um, you know, Travis Kultisk is one of the nicest, most decent human beings I've ever met in my he's life. He's going to be great to work with. He, he yeah. is. Yeah. And I th- he just, he's open-minded, but he's also stern. And he, mm-hmm. his, his family has grown up here. But well, he's got a big job. He does to do. a real big job in a time when, you know, people are fleeing cities to move to rural areas and, mm-hmm. you know, manage that. You and I have had that conversation, Yeah, you yeah. know, managing the growth of a town like this. That's so special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's a great town. People don't want trouble here. But if trouble comes here, they're, you know, it just and I think the bar is the same way. It, it literally reminds me, you know, there should be somebody standing at the door going, you know, check your firearms at the coat rack. It yeah. just feels like that to me. Every movie I've ever watched, every old West town I've been in, the Mint Bar to me feels like if it was 1847 and I was going in to get a drink, that's where I'd be walking into. You walk mm-hmm. in the door and go, man, this is this is it. Yeah. Dust everywhere. Yep, this you know? is it. Don't cause trouble. Enjoy yourself. Guys wearing chaps. It, that that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> anyway, I could talk about yeah. it for hours. Yeah, it can go Both on you and the Mint Bar have been... You know, a key to, you know, transitioning into the second or third or fourth phase of my life. And I think the final one, 
you know, I, I think you've helped me a lot. You know, I used to come to your house weekly for dinner and when yeah. Tanya was living here and, and Candace and I would come to your place and, you know, it really helped me. Um, but that place has helped me just as much. It's a neat place. Yeah. I love driving by it. And I come down to work out early in the morning here at five o'clock. I leave it, you know, I leave to go ride back up and do the dogs and stuff before I come back down for work. But when I go up the mountain, I always take the same route. I leave the parking lot. I hit Grinnell and Maine and take a left and just, you know, even at six o'clock in the morning with nobody in town, the traffic lights blinking, you know, the mint bar sign is a beacon of America. It's Americana. Yeah. It's a, sometimes I think it's a privilege to be here, especially when, I go, you know, to a city somewhere like New York or, you know, I went out to New York a couple of years ago and watched the Yankees, a bucket list thing, you know, first time ever. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Oh, you know, it's, uh, people don't say hi. People don't make eye contact. Uh, you go in a place, you're just a person. They want your money and, you know, they're going to treat you right, or I guess, but that there's no, there's, you know, you don't get that feeling between you know, like we could be friends someday. No, and you know, I get, get it. That I get it at your place. I get it at the co-op getting gas in my truck. Yeah. I get it at the wall, yeah. wherever you go. Yeah. You know, people are just, it's just. You know, it, Arizona or, or D.C., I was there too. And, and yeah, you say hi to people and stuff, and they just kind of keep walking. And, you know, it's just kind of our nature out here. I mean, if you're from this part of the country, you say hi or you wave, you know. Yeah. And. When you don't get a response back, you kind of you feel a little offended. Um, that's that's what you get from this part of the country. Is you know you could be friends with here, uh, be friends here with somebody in a matter of minutes. You know because yeah. people say hi and they talk to you and and at the bar over there. I mean I I struck up conversations with people, the tourists that come in there. Um, I didn't know them from Adam. I just went over and stood in front of them. Where are you guys from? You know? And as we talked, then they knew that I owned the place, but uh, it wasn't about that. It was about... Yeah, it's about a connection. To, yeah, what do you do a human connection. In, what do you do in Amsterdam, you know? And, right. And then they'd be asking me questions about the West. And, um, you know, uh, that those kind of people remember that, you know? And then when that's over with, I just go about my business. Yeah. And go back outside and, you know, go fishing whatever you know? I love it yeah. so so to wrap things up here the one line that I keep that's just like a, a bright light it's like your mint sign blinking in my head right now as you said 10 minutes ago life's an adventure yeah. you know it should or life should be an adventure yeah one of the things that I have a big issue with is specifically my background military people but now it's everybody not everybody but the good vast majority of people I think you know, there's a lot of people in this country who hit autopilot and found a standard in their life. I'm going to go to college or I'm not. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do this. And that's what I just need to do. I need to have a house and a white picket fence and I need to pay my bills. You started what would be your second career and your second life by buying a bar with no bar experience at all. That's an adventure. What do you recommend to somebody who's out there right now that is going, man, I've got a little bit of money in the bank, but I'm not happy at my job in the corporate world or wherever it is. I've always wanted to open a woodworking shop, a fly shop, a bar, a restaurant. What's your advice to those people? Putting you on the spot here. Well, it takes a plan, you know, to be successful at it. 
we got a little bit lucky here because that bar was already established. Right. Okay. But if somebody's going to go out and do that, you know, you want your own business and stuff, have a plan and be prepared, you know, to sacrifice a lot because it takes a lot. And my brother and I practiced the same thing. And that is, um, he heard this somewhere and then told it to me. And we kind of practice the same thing. It's called deferred gratification. Okay. Spend your time working hard. Make time for your family or whatever like that. But work hard and be dedicated to what you do. And after you're successful at that, the rewards will come come later. You know, like for me, you know, I just retired. I saved, you know, my whole life. You know, and now I have enough money to go do whatever I want to do. Um, I hope I don't die <laughs> before I spend right. or, or get to see, you know, what the things that, that I want to do. You know, I got around some, you know, when I was younger, been a few places, you know. But, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't. My sense of adventure took me to the mountains, you know, camping and fishing. And that's what I like to do. Um, I didn't get too far away, but that's... No, but like last year, I mean, you were on 10 different flights and, you know, to go into the remote jungle and, you know, a marshland in the middle of South America. Buenos Aires, yeah. yeah. East of, or west you know, of Buenos traveling Aires. Traveling yeah. and flying for, what, 100 hours and, oh. you know, chaos, yeah. which, yeah. which again, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about and more of the sense of, you know, I think people get real comfortable but they're unhappy and comfortable at the same time versus saying, hey, I'm going to be a little bit uncomfortable for a while, yeah. but I can do this. Yeah. If I can work at a company, and I'm not, this isn't a negative thing, if you can work at UPS and put it that much into to a corporation making money, you can do it for yourself. Yeah. You can, yeah. you can take the same work ethic, the same time, the same standard, maybe even a little more, mm-hmm. and the risk is obviously a lot larger because it could fail. Yeah. But you control your own destiny yep. at that point. Unless something catastrophic happens, your hard work then is, you know, it's your engine, your car, not it, you driving somebody else's car. Yeah, you know, and in the end, you know, the success you have with it, you know, may be small, it may be great, but whatever it is, it was your choice to do it that way. Right. And that's what you have to be thankful for that you live in a country that you can do that, you know? Um, and be thankful for the life that you had, you know? Um, I mean, I got lots of wisdom to share, but we don't have enough time here for that. No, so, we'll have to have you back uh, on. Yeah. You know, we will, because, yeah. you know, there's certain things like you and I relationship I love because you and I will be 180 degree opposite and disagree on certain things, but that, it's, you know, you, you can just, it's okay to, di- my point is it's okay to disagree with people. Sure. Just be a decent human being. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, like you said, just, I love, I've never, you've said it before to me, but, you know, now that it's out there and we're talking about deferred gratitude, I think is really cool. Yeah. I think it's a great concept, but the one thing that I'm going to take away from this and push as I tell people to listen to this podcast is life should be an adventure. It really it really should. Uh-huh. Your time on this rock that's spinning around in the middle of space is yeah. limited. Yeah. Enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't do enough of that, you know, in my strong working years. Um, I should have taken more time, you know, to go 
just do one thing, okay? Uh, maybe, you know, once every six months or something like that. I didn't do very much of that because um, it's just been work. That bar, you know, was a handful. It's a seven, yeah. It was a seven-day-a-week thing. Well, and it's hard and, to turn over your business. I've been yeah. doing this for five years. It's hard to turn your business over that you built that was a constant. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Mint Bar is established, but you have kept the machine. It's yours. You bought it. Yeah. And when you buy it, you buy everything. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to turn over everything to somebody else. Yeah. Even if you know them, they've worked for you for a while, they're a good person, mm -hmm. it's hard to walk away and go, did they do this? Yeah. Did they do that? Yeah. Did they lock the doors? Oh yeah. Did they turn like, this off? Did they makes you crazy? Yeah. You know? Did they? You know? Did they leave something on? They should. It's just yeah. to me, and I'm you know I'm getting to the point where it's okay for me. Like it's this is stuff. Like it's mm -hmm. it's a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody's going to manage it. There's mm -hmm. going to be mistakes if it's not intentional. Anyway, that's a whole. You and I could talk for hours. Well, keep the adventure. You know, yes, in yes. your life, and don't be afraid. You know, to go out and 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 do, and sample what it's like to be somewhere else or do something different. Um, you have to mix it up a little bit in your life. Um, I, I wish I'd have done more, but um, I'm dead set on making up for what I didn't do. <laughs> uh, you're you're rocking and rolling. Every time that's I talk to you, you got something cool planned yeah. that you've worked hard in your life to, to go to Buenos Aires or to go to Alaska, wherever it is. But yeah. you're definitely living the adventure now, but you also, I keep saying it, you're also very comfortable just at home. Yeah. Yeah, I like being relaxed, and it's okay but, to do that too. No, but it's because of that bar, you know, and the people that I met in there that got me to go fishing, you know, with a group of guys from here in Sheridan that do that kind of stuff, right? You know, and um, you know, I've been on several of those trips, and but it's it was because of who I met in the bar, you know, became friends. I this is what these guys do. I want to go. Yeah. It's great. So you sign me up and let's go. It's great. Know? So that's that's a that's a great adventure and uh, it's a, well yeah we could carry on here for a long time so maybe well, another day. Yeah, Monty, thanks for coming on the uh, the podcast and you know for I keep saying it for you if you're going to come out this way if you're going to be within 100 200 miles you're going to Yellowstone Cody whatever and you make it to Sheridan go in the Mint Bar you don't have to be a drinker you don't have just go in the Mint Bar and order a Coke and you know, just look around and if Monty's there, introduce yourself, know that he owns a business and has to run it. Can't talk to you for seven hours, but he probably will. But, you know, go in and, and check out the mint bar. It's a piece of history that, that is every bit the wild west, um, in, in, in modern times, uh, for Monty and myself, thanks for listening and say hi to your dogs. Perfect.